What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Listening audience, it's time for another episode of Who Pods the Watchmen! <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, I am Grant Davis, and along with me is my co host, Clay. And what, you don't have a last name? You Clay LaPointe. There we go. And we are back with a brand new episode of Who Pods the Watchmen. Like I already said, we are talking about issue eight of the comic book. Original Tome, the Master Series. I know there's a bunch of spin-off after Watchmen comics out there. We're not going to be talking about those yet. We might get into those eventually. But right now we are going issue by issue of the original 12 issues of this comic. Doing a deep dive. Loving it. And this one, like we said, is going to be discussing issue 8, which is called Old Ghosts. Now, Clay, before we get into this... How how have things been since we last potted? Yeah, it's been a it's been a couple days, right? It's it's been a few hours since we had lunch together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's new? You know, we're gr- obviously we're drinking a live oak hef. I don't know if the listeners know that. Obviously, listeners, <laughs> as, uh, as you can tell by well, know, I, our I say I, I say obviously because we've lost one today. Oh, we've lost one. It's getting heavy. And I, sh- I know I shouldn't even speak like that because some people are thinking, whoa, they're going through something similar that I'm going through. Maybe they lost a family member. Maybe somebody passed away. It, it, it's not like that. We can't go down that road. One of our buddies moved to Denver. He's driving there right now. He probably He's probably actually in a hotel. Yeah. He's probably in a hotel in New Mexico. And uh, this was one of his favorite beers. So we're drinking a Live Oak, thinking of that big guy, and hopefully we'll see him again soon. Shout out to Bosch. Shout out to baby Bosch. I'm wearing mesh shorts right now because uh, he used to wear those quite <laughs> in, often. In honor of him, he's not dead. He's, he's not dead. A couple away. Again, yeah, but it's kind of you know, it's uh, he's he's dead to me. So the, he's dead. <laughs> he's dead to you. He's dead to me, and, and his fiance is even more dead. <laughs> that son he, of a bitch. He started off as our friend, but this is a roast now. He's six feet under. She's twelve feet under. She kind of yokoed us, <laughs> which happens. No, anyway, hey, uh, onwards and upwards. To greater things, to greater heights in Denver, Mile High City. My goodness. Yeah, you know what? This beer tasting even better now. Yeah, exactly. There's a little bittersweetness to it. Yeah. Yeah, things are going good though. Labor Day weekend. Do you uh, do you get uh, sunscreen, you know, on and go out and grill? I I went out swimming today, and I did not do a great job with the sunscreen, so I burn easily. Yeah. Well, you know, you're this complexion of mine is it's not sun friendly. You're Anglo-Saxon, or, or I don't actually know what you are. You're something. You're a mutt. I'd yeah. say that's accurate. You're a mutt. I don't I don't necessarily claim one thing, but I'm like a that's probably mixture. Gonna, that might offend somebody. You're a mutt. You're a mutt. You know? Yeah. Uh, Europeans? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe mutts. I feel like Europeans have lost the right to be offended Maybe about anything for like you know the rest of mankind. <laughs> right. Exactly. After those two wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. yeah. yeah sit down. Uh, all right, folks. Um, I didn't put up a question post for this one, so we're not gonna we're gonna go ahead and skip that this time. Um, that's my bad. Uh, we ended up being able to jump in and record a little sooner than usual, but this is good things because we're gonna just jump right into chapter eight. Well, 
First, though, I think we should remind listeners, podcast, maybe maybe it's transcribed. Do you do that? Do you offer that for like the Americans with Disabilities Act? Do you? Uh, okay, we don't do that. I'm sorry, you're shaking your head. We might cut this one out. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I don't even know if that's required. Is that required? No, it's not required. It would be a really good thing to do. Yeah, you should probably spend. You should probably re- transcribe this and stay up late doing <laughs> God, that, dude. Yeah. With the dumb, ridiculous things we say. Well, I just think it. You know, I don't know. It wouldn't hurt. Uh, so you know, reading it, brailing it. I mean, I don't know how you're listening. I don't know how you're getting this information, but Patreon. Oh, patreon.com slash who pods the watchman. The biggest, is it a donor or whatever you are, the biggest supporter yeah. is going to be on this podcast with us in about maybe three to four weeks, three to five weeks. Yes, so that's true. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Get your donations in at patreon.com slash who pods the watchman. What this is, is a way to support our show that we're doing week to week. Whenever we release a new episode, that's when you get charged however much you have been generous enough to donate to us. So if you give us a dollar an episode, two dollars an episode, that's all you're going to get billed per episode, only if we actually do release the content that you're already enjoying. So it's a good way to support us. In addition, we wanted to do a little uh, little rallying push, and Clay came up with the idea that if you our, our number one donor, we're going to um, reach out to you. And Plasma if, donor. And if you're interested. Daddy needs platelets. We would love to uh, do a little call-in show with you, and you can discuss what you love about this comic with us. Um, if the first donor doesn't want to do that, we'll, we'll go down the line to the second and third to find uh, whoever does want to actually talk with us. We will find someone who if wants to speak no with us. no one wants to talk with us, uh, why am I crying? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, so, so people can definitely do that to uh, help support us. We really appreciate all of your generosity there. You guys can also like us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can follow us over on Instagram. And um, you guys can always subscribe to our podcast. You go to whopodsawatchmen.com or you can go to our pippa.io slash whopodsawatchmen. I think that's the platform that we're um, posting the the actual episodes through. And either way, if you guys go there, you go to your favorite podcast listening device, whether it's Spotify or um, iTunes. Kindle. Or, <laughs> if you're listening to podcasts on your Kindle, that works too. Um, just go ahead and hit subscribe. Tell your friends about this. Be like, man, this is the dopest podcast. Yeah, get on your Amazon Fire <laughs> and send out some. Get on MySpace. Hit your live journal up. Get into your friend account in Nintendo Switch on the Nintendo. What's the like Nintendo... Like PlayStation Live, but for Nintendo. I don't know. I don't know. Chat with somebody over there, you know? Yeah. Even if you don't know them. Get, get on like a World of Warcraft. Get in with your tribe or your campaign or I don't know what it is, right? You're with like 60 people fighting warlocks and just yell out our podcast. Go to Rachel Ray's website and write a little review of one of her recipes. And while you're on there, go ahead and plug our podcast within your review. Just let us know that you did that. <laughs> Actually, it was, if you do it. For real, it's Smitten Kitchen. It's and actually, kitchen? for real, please let us know because that would actually make my year if others <laughs> get onto the Smitten Kitchen blog and post silly comments uh, to any of the recipes. Just just promoting Who Pods yeah. a Watchman. So, obviously, chapter V-I-I-I, Old Ghosts. I just want to get your initial impressions. What do you think? What's your takeaway? I mean, I'm looking for like 10 words. 10 words. Uh, or less. My hot take on this? I really enjoyed this. This one ramped up the action, and uh, it it feels a little bit dangerous. There's parts of this that made me uncomfortable, and intentionally so. That's my an immediate hot take. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think this one, for me, I kind of thought, you know, one, wow, this one threw a match. 
you mm-hmm. know, and this one knew how to throw a match, and I think at the right time because it, it's not like this one has been this sh- book has been plodding along, but uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a narrative, and it's a big novel, and and it has its slow points, uh, and this one definitely it's like oh shit, we have four or five left of these left. It's kind of like a, a season eight of Game of Thrones. We got to do a bunch of stuff all at once. Here's a battle of the bastards going yeah. on here. Um, so let's talk real quick uh, an overview of what this is. This episode is this issue, I guess, is. So this is the this one's called Old Ghosts, and this touches base with um, the the jailbreak going down for Rorschach that has been pla- was planned in the last episode or issue. <laughs> I keep calling them episodes um, with Night Owl and. Uh, Lori, uh, Silk Spectre 2, they are going to go and break him out of Sing Sing. So they're planning that, and then they go and execute the the jailbreak. But meanwhile, we also get, like, a glimpse into a whole bunch of other, like, um, worlds that are going to all be kind of colliding in a way. Um, we have uh, Hollis Mason kind of touching base with uh, Silk Spectre 1. And that's going to be a bit of uh, foreboding, foreshadowing there. <laughs> um, we also get some people from Rorschach's past uh, confronting him in jail and being like, we're going to murder you, we're going to stab you a whole bunch, and it's going to be bloody and uncomfortable for you. We have uh, a detective, kind of. Um, one of the first detectives investigating the comedian He's kind of now hot on the trail of of Night Owl and suspecting him of being a, a superhero, and that's getting a little bit dicey. We see uh, what the newspaper, I think, as well. The newspaper, that's right. Uh, the newspaper, um, they the vendor. Are, yeah, we we see this sort of um, I don't know, what you want to call them Breitbart esque, uh, like it's kind of like the loony. Man- we, like it's kind of the man on the street take. Yeah, you know, he kind of serves. I mean, that's a whole kind of fulcrum for, for, the violence and the anxiety that's kind of starting to boil over here. But yeah, uh, also kind of um, building up a bit of a, a. I think he's actually championing the superheroes. Which on the flip side, the other people are going to then kind of push back against that narrative and be like, "No, these people still need to be kept in in check, and uh, we we need to hold all superheroes to account." And we're gonna have to talk about that scene uh, later, but yeah, for right. sure. Right. Uh, we get a very weird scene of an artist doing a rendering of um, something very vaginal looking, uh, like a vagin- vagina monster. Is that what they look like? Uh, that's what that thing looks like. Okay. Um, and yeah, the, uh, you know, and the people on the street just kind of getting up in arms, getting antsy about everything going on in society. So it's, it's a big culmination of, of a lot of tension on the ground, tension in the lives of our superheroes and a jailbreak happens and then shit gets a little bit more intense from there. Yeah. I think that's a good summary. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. So let's go ahead and, uh, jump back here. And what do you want to discuss first about this? You know, for me, I think just just general impression for me was, well, I think there's a lot to unpack here, but it kind of brought me back to, I mean, not the best time of my life, but, uh, you know, student teaching for a middle school. Okay. <laughs> 23 years old, living with your parents. Yeah. If you can, if it can get any worse. 
Okay. So you're living with your folks. Living with my folks, 23 years old, student teaching. Yeah. Okay. They're going to be appreciated. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That does this way... No, 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 no. That does a disservice to student teachers. My God, I'm so sorry. Substitute teaching. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get... Yeah. Let's get real here. Substitute teaching, living with my folks, 23 years old in the suburbs in Texas. Eh, you know, I mean, there's worse things, but I, I really can't think of any right now. And I would go in there and I would see these kids and they would call me Napoleon Dynamite more than once. And I would look at them and I would think, damn, now I'm going to have to get mad and now I'm going to have to expend energy and it's going to get hot in here and I'm going to have to take you to the principal and I'm going to have to do this and that. And I could just see it, you know, and I would think, can't we just ignore all this? Why do we have to do it? And I could see it in the future, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And I would think, ah, oh, I see it happening and I know it has to happen, but I'd just rather not. You're just Dr. Manhattan of this whole thing. <laughs> I just kind of, this episode was tough to read and not from any like depression reason or anything like that, but it was just really hard. I mean, there was like a lot of violence and you really see the anxiety and the tension rising up in the streets. I mean, there's street violence. Mm-hmm. There's the breakout in prison. There's a lot of prison violence. I, when I was reading it, I wasn't kind of down after the after the issue, but I was kind of like, oh, I knew that was coming, you know, and we kind of know where it's, it's probably going to do it even more, I would imagine, in the next few issues. But uh, it was still kind of hard to read, you know, I mean, there was a lot of violence and a lot of, you know, I don't really like seeing people get beaten up or killed. It is, it's just one of those perfect hallmarks of Alan Moore's work that you know he's he's taking everything turning it on, on its heel and what do you do this this is just like when you reference game of thrones what do you do you take one of the few good pure beloved characters and you murder them <laughs> right not only murder them have them beaten to death have have their head chopped off in in front of a crowd of people by the most miserable shit on the show. You know, that's that's Game of Thrones shit. That's what they're doing here, too. And that it, it's just heartbreaking. It really was. That um, was really tough. With with his own little statuette. With his little Oscar. and His Golden Globe. My God. I mean, how much... This whole comic, when you read it the first time and then you go back and read, you realize how much more enriching it is. Like, all the clues, all the details... And even just within this comic issue itself, going back and looking at the cover of this, we see his golden statue. We see Hollis Mason's Night Owl golden statue. When he retired, they made a statue of him that says, Ingratitude. And that works perfectly as, um, as, a, uh, as a play on words because you are in gratitude to this individual, but also it's the society showing their ingratitude as one word, t- toward him. They're not grateful for what he did. They bust in there and they murder him using this exact uh, statue that he received. And like the, the name of the issue implies, old ghosts coming back to haunt you. And the, the sins of his past or his past reputation, the thing that he tries to move beyond, he can't escape the sins of his past, I guess. And yeah, he was he was a person who donned a, a cape and and tried to be a superhero. He even says to uh, Sally Jupiter when he's talking to her on the phone, he's like, "Yeah, I can't, I can't put on that costume again. It's like I, I'm glad my dad gave me another skill I'm able to move to, and that's that's something that I find really rewarding in my life." But he doesn't seem to dwell on the days of being a, a 
costume superhero. And that makes it a little bit more tragic. It's not like he owned, like he loved that, that part of his life. He's glad to be done with it, and yet it comes back, and that's the reason he gets Yeah, killed. he probably enjoys tinkering with cars and, and doing all that. I mean, yeah. that's, that, he chose that life, so for sure. And he, But, you know, you can't escape your past, but really, was his past something he needed to escape from? I mean, I don't know. We don't really know what he did, and who knows if he was a decent guy or not a decent guy. I, I don't know. But either way, it just kind of shows that um, these people are in the crosshairs of society right now because there's a lot of anxiety. It's actually also really interesting when you say, like, who knows about him and, like, whether or not he had evils of his past. Because when we see, and this is jumping to the very end of this issue, but when we see him getting beaten by the, uh, you know, tweaked up gang members. uh, For some reason, always in 80s DC comics. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. It's it's a a common trope. They borrowed these stock characters from a Batman comic. Exactly. Uh, but when they're they're beating him, we get uh, the kind of juxtaposition of what they're saying to him with the old classic scenes of him punching like Nazis and fighting these other bad guys. And now these um, new modern era 80s street punks, uh, they have like Nazi swastika tattoos on them and they're the, the tables have turned. They're now using their power against him, and they're all ganging up and, and killing him. An old man. Yeah, as an old man. But yeah. it, it makes you kind of question a little bit of, like, what are they trying to say when he's in there punching other people? Was he always righteous in what in, in his actions of the past? Right, right, exactly. So I do want to talk about Ingratitude, uh, which makes me, you know, immediately think of Laurie and Dan. Mm-hmm. So let's let let's this dive is into ju- that. this is jumping ahead. Okay, they, they've you know I mean I assume that people listening have read it. If not, spoiler alert: uh, the prison break is successful. I definitely want to talk about it because it was actually maybe the most action we've had in the whole book. It was pretty awesome. It is and it is t- what you want to wa- read. Yeah, yeah it, it's like they they made Rorschach a character where you're not sure if you want to root for him or like is kind of fucked up. He's deranged. But in moments like this, where he's obviously the underdog in a situation, he's the little guy, there's a whole bunch of other bad people in prison with him who want to kill him. And if and if he would not have put those bad people in prison, they'd probably be out there doing this to others. Right. Right. So he kind of is a hero. Yeah, yeah he, he's a hero in the, those regards. So it's like Daredevil or Frank Castle being in prison, and you're like, oh, man, you're surrounded by all these bad guys. You're, I'm rooting for you. Especially with, like, Frank Castle. It's like, otherwise, you know, you're also kind of a terrible guy at times. Right. Um, But, yeah, when we see that they're all ganging up on him, I'm fully in Rorschach's camp. I'm like, I'm rooting for you, dude. Everything you do, I want to see how you get out get out of this. But were you ever worried? I mean, I was never worried for him. Well, not not so much because I've read it before. Okay. But there's also the um, cool under pressure. Aspect yeah, of how he, exactly. he carries it out. He's just like staring there. He's kind of like emotionally dead to the whole thing, but he's just like quick and methodical about like how he takes down different people and breaks their thumbs. And he's going to Tom Brady it. If you're down with three minutes left, you know, you know that Tom's going to march up the field for better or worse. Actually, a lot worse. Give me the ball. Yeah, exactly. I no, I, 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 I was not worried for him, but I was curious to kind of see how's he going to MacGyver this? He has a seat, he has a shirt, and he has a toilet. <laughs> What's he gonna do? And somehow it worked. It was it was it was awesome. So again, though, I just think that this would be an interesting 
you know, some some plot continuity because I think last issue was a lot of Dan and Lori, and we have them again. So here, after the obviously the two of them are the ones who orchestrate the prison breakout of Rorschach, goes off without a hitch. It's pretty sweet. They get him out. They come back. They're rummaging through his uh, Dan's uh, stuff at his house because they realize the cops are after us. Right? They're onto us. They know who we are. We need to get our. We need to get some supplies and then get the hell out of here. Right? right. Uh, they're going through their sugar cubes, which again have actually pretty interesting. Those play a pretty big part. The green sugar cubes. I figured you must have been excited about that. I was very excited, yeah. You made a, a funny joke last episode about, like, that's the biggest thing you're looking forward to. And, oh my gosh, it was a big plot point. It was a big, it was a really big plot point, and I was glad to see him. Uh, when I saw the comic book come back, like the, what's his name, the pirate, the Black, uh, Black Freighter. Black Freighter. I thought, oh, God, got to do this again. <laughs> but no then, kidding. thank God, the sugar cubes came back and kind of mollified that. Um, so after the after the prison prison break, they're going through his stuff. She goes into her room to get some of her personal items, mm-hmm. personal effects. And guess who's there? Doc. The, Mr. Blue Dick himself. Doc Ock. Yeah, Doc, <laughs> Doc. Ock. Now, Doc, yeah, Dr. Manhattan's there. He's sitting there, but he's not even there. Even when he's supposed to be there, he's not there. He tells her this bizarre stuff. Like he's, he's a, a human cult. text message. <laughs> exactly. He's a he's a cult leader. He says, you know, this is this is destined to be this way. In one hour, we will be speaking. So now I'm speaking to you before to effectuate that. Blah blah blah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And then she, without a second's hesitation, she's like, "See ya," and she leaves with with Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's fitting in a way. Like they, he left clues. Alan Moore left clues of, with the dialogue nonstop that she can't stop thinking about that relationship. She's she put on that tough exterior initially of like I don't need him. That that relationship was dead, but at the same time, that was her life for what like ten years. See, like, I I, I, years? Hate, I hated this though. Everyone else is doing something in the story. Everyone else is proactive. Everyone and- else is proactive, and who's worrying? Who's fretting? Who's hand wringing? A woman. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's just, I mean, that's 1980s sexism. I really hope that that's, uh, that's changed in the HBO special, which I hope, I think it would be. But uh, no, I, <laughs> I just really didn't like that. You know, I mean, it yeah. just seemed to me just a little bit on the nose and like, okay, really? Come on. Uh, She's it, just sitting here thinking, I need to save you. I need to save I mean, she actually said it a few times. In the movie, um, I think it's not as egregious because she is in her own right a, a proactive punching through walls superhero. Oh, really? <laughs> because they they kind of go absurd with like the power set of of these superheroes. But so what you're telling me they actually have powers. Uh yeah, they're I've, punching through brick walls and shit. I've yet to see them. So uh, they're Mr. Kool-Aid. No, not in the comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the in the Bonkers movie. We'll we'll discuss that weird movie, guys. But yeah, I, I mean I agree with you that it is a little bit frustrating that they're relegating her to to being dependent upon these other characters rather than being a, a driving force in the narrative. Right? She's Princess Peach. I want to see a Mario. Right. And I, I still, though, thought that it, it was an interesting dynamic in that she's being kind of forced along. Obviously, Dan Dryberg had a, an awakening. He's now has a sense of purpose. He has his renewed confidence. He got contact lenses. <laughs> he's he's wearing his costume. He's wearing this nice tight-fitted black shirt, tucking it in. He's looking a little bit swab and debonair now. And he's just like, 
I'm I'm back in business in my bat cave or owl cave, whatever what's Batman ripoff. What's the is best doing? song with either title or lyrics fitted shirt? There's a, there's only one right answer. <laughs> I don't know what that question even means. The best song. Okay. Okay. Musical composition with the lyrics and or title fitted shirt. I nope, I don't know. I'm gonna give the listeners three, two, one. <laughs> we turned into a game show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, what, what is the song? Well, the artist is Spoon. I actually don't. I think maybe the titles. I you don't, don't know. even know the title. <laughs> well, it's a niche area. <laughs> oh, you can't expect me to be a, an expert in a niche area. So you know what, Sabash would know, but he's in New Mexico. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow, it's gonna be like that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're right. He's looking good. He's wearing contact lenses. But and... he's kind of like he's he's now. Whereas he was doting on her and giving her this degree of attention, he's kind of like moved past her to being like he's he kind of like sold gave her a short shrift all of a sudden. It's like, ah, oh, we hooked up and now I'm like, I have my own purpose. And she's like, uh Men, isn't that how it always is? Do we really need to go get the big racist asshole Rorschach and get him out of prison? He did murder people. He wasn't a good person. Maybe we don't need to get him out of jail. And he's just like, oh, I have a purpose now. Shut up. Uh, whatever. And, like, she's like, well, you invited me into your house. Yeah, I'm she, staying she, here now. I don't actually, know what to do. But she's kind of dragged along she's still in enjoying. Situation. Yeah. She's still enjoying her post-coital cigarette. Yeah. And he's out there tinkering with his space car ready to go. He's putting his belt back on. Yeah, it's true. Their, their, their clothes are still strewn about um, Archie. And Archie's just beep, boop, pop. Hey, could you, hey, could, could you imagine, though, seriously? Like, let's say you have a crush on somebody, right, for... Jesus, I don't know, like 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. you finally hook up with them, okay? With A second later, they're like, let's go break somebody out of jail. Yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> be like fuck uh, me. Okay. <laughs> Who did I just get with? <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah. Um, Rorschach also made it a little bit funny in, uh, in his wisecracking. He's, he's minimal. He's spare with what he was saying to the, the short... Um, bad guy, what was his name? Um, little little guy, or his name's know, little, Big, uh, Big Big Trouble, Big Figure, Little China. His name was Big Figure. Yeah, and he goes Small World, and then he says Tall Order. He just kind of zinging at him, uh, and he does this later with the other guy when he says Fat Chance to a to heavy set dude, and so he's just and really spare, very utilitarian, even with his word choice, just to provoke enough of a reaction from these people to kind of get what he wants. And that's how smart he is, right? He knew that he needed them to kind of reach through to let go a little bit, act a little bit dumb, and then he's going to capitalize on that. Yeah, but he he knows knows how to manipulate people. Um, I would like to also point out another thing I noticed about Rorschach. When they break him out, he immediately starts referring to um, Laurie's character as Miss Jusebic. He, in the very first issue, you may recall, he calls her Miss Jupiter. And she says, you fucking asshole. You know that's not my last name. It's Jusebic because my, my mom likes saying Jupiter because she was ashamed of us being Polish. Anyway, she like makes a point of like calling him out and saying, don't call me by that last name. It's Jusebic. And he goes and starts calling her Jusebic. He actually like respects that. And he, in the first one, like, kind of talks shit in his diary about, like, how he just thinks he, she's trashy and, like, whorish in her outfits or whatever. Right. And, and here he's, he simply, like, says something like, I never really cared for your costume that much, but uh, I'm sure you already knew that or something. And that's, right. like, all he says, and he doesn't, like, belabor the point, whereas, like, previously I feel like Rorschach Well, he also did accuse her of murdering everyone. Uh, wait, in what part? 
Here, she's the only one who didn't have a hit out on her or something yet. Oh. I mean, maybe he was joking, but... Uh, I, don't, I don't recall that part. But, yeah, it did seem like... This he, is page 21, middle left. Oh, wait. Right here where he says, oh, it's funny, like, everyone else has been attacked. All, all the other superheroes have been attacked, but it doesn't look like you've been attacked yet. Yeah, and, th- and that doesn't take away from your overall point. I just remember, you know, it's just kind of he's always thinking. And he's always also trying to egg people to see what he can, what, what they'll reveal. Right, right. Okay. I mean, that also, I mean, that brings me back to the detective then, who also seemed like he's just putting out feelers. He, he uh, Detective Fine who we saw investing, investigating the comedian in the very beginning, he goes and pays a visit to Dan Dryberg's house, and he's just like, hey, you know, I saw you at that funeral the other day. You were there with a bunch of heavy hitters at that comedian's funeral. Although he doesn't know that guy was the comedian necessarily. He just right. knows, like, there was something unique about him. He suspects he was, like, a superhero of some sorts. But he's like, yeah, I saw you there, and, uh, you know, you seem to also have these sugar cubes <laughs> yeah. and those were found in the pocket of Rorschach and uh, a lot of, lot of curious things going on here. Yeah. And, yeah. and Dan, you know, it's funny because like he had all this swagger when he was down in the basement and he comes up and, and faces off against this guy and he seems back to his kind of nebbish, nervous. He's, he's Clark Kent in a little bit. Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't yeah. know. I'm just a, I'm just a nerd. Well, <laughs> Who and that, likes and, birds. Yeah. And you know that, I mean, I like that detective. You know, you got to shoot your shot. Yeah. And also, interestingly, the lock uh, locksmith or whatever is there putting up a new a, a new a new lock in. And if you see his outfit or whatever or his um, I don't know, like his, his, his tool, toolbox his or whatever, it says Gordian knot. Right. Which obviously is one of those things that looks really complex, and then you just pull it, and it's just like a slip knot or whatever, and it just comes comes undone. Unless I'm totally wrong about that. Uh, you're close. The Gordian knot was like a reference to like an Alexander the Great kind yeah. of thing, like this ancient Greek, like super complex knot, and it's like supposed to be like um, near impossible to figure out how to solve it. The way that Alexander the Great solved it was he took a knife and just cut. The oh knot. shoot! Okay, I thought it was so, like you just pull it. Okay, you find one. So it's supposed to be so strong that one can't break it. Interesting. But that's that's kind of the whole thing with like Rorschach. It's like. He's not there trying to lockpick this because he wouldn't be able to lockpick it. He just fucking kicks in the door. Yeah, right, <laughs> and right. he breaks the entire thing. Yeah. So that's why it's ineffective. Let's talk about really quickly maybe the greatest, um, the greatest moment in children's literature regarding a knot. Okay, we're talking about Harry Potter. No. Oh, wait, is there one in Harry Potter? No. I, it's okay, just I mean, the, that's you, where you go. You said the greatest book of children's right literature. Now, right now you're scanning MuggleNet. <laughs> Uh, Constantly, you're on MuggleNet. Is that like, is there is MuggleNet still around? Uh, I don't know. Okay, you're not trafficking. MuggleNet. Do I still have my account on yeah. MuggleNet? Yeah. I... Uh, do you remember Wayside Stories? Uh-uh. Or what stories from Wayside High or whatever? It was the it was the Bayside. You're talking about? No, I'm not talking about Bayside. You're that talking... was God, man. Zach Morris. Do you remember the uh, the Hawaii? Summer, the whole oh the Hawaii California Dreaming. Oh no, yeah, when they went to that Hawaii. was incredible. The spinoff was or not a spinoff, I guess a, a very similarly styled show. California Dreaming. Yeah, popped yeah, up no, soon no, after. no, no, I'm not talking about that. No, okay, Wayside st- or some sideway. Okay, so here we go. Sideway stories from Wayside High. Okay, if people think I'm like looking this up, I'm not. I'm just I'm just revisiting the old memory banks. Yeah, it's impressive. You never you you've got to read this. It sounds familiar, but oh. now that I'm a man. I'm a grown ass man. With, I'm not sure I'm going to want to go back and read a little with kids' book. Kids, 
With kids. A grown-ass man with kids. Uh, How much Peppa Pig have you watched in the last couple of years? It's worth it. It's so good. <laughs> you should watch Peppa Pig. Right. So <laughs> That's my next podcast I have to jump to after this. Exactly. Yeah. You're moonlighting. Uh, well, I get you. Jeez, you can't even share my excitement here. I'm sorry. One of the kids, there's a giant, you know, back, remember back when you were a kid and you're learning how to tie your shoes and they would always get in these like wicked crazy knots, mm-hmm. your laces, which hasn't happened in a long time. I mean, when's the last time you your shoes got into a knot, your lace that, that you couldn't get out of? I wear slip-ons now, oh, yeah, like as much right. as I possibly can. Right, right. I'm back to like Velcro and slip-ons, like an old yeah, man. Yeah, that's nice. That's the way to go. I'm like, why are we wasting our life? Like, oh, you better learn how to tie your shoe, and then it comes untied like three times a week, and yeah. I look like an asshole. Yeah, right. But what about when you run? <laughs> On the rare occasion you go jogging. Uh, yeah, those ones I just double knot. You go barefoot? It. No, I double knot those. Uh, ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a crazy knot. And this one kid is really good at it, at solving it, and uh, it's awesome. Great story. I really hope everybody reads it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I forgot what we're. T- are we talking about Watchmen anymore? We're talking about sideways stories from Wayside High. <laughs> I want everybody to check it out. So yeah, okay. So Gordian Knot. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the detective. I think that was awesome because it also shows that just the the pressure is mounting from every angle. You know, the pressure is mounting from the streets. The pressure is mounting from the USSR. The pressure is mounting. Even they, they even talk about people like not being able to make a long distance phone call for more than, you know, five seconds because MCI WorldCom is too expensive. They don't have 10 cents a minute in the Nixonian economy. Which I can't believe like, you reference MCI WorldCom. <laughs> Sponsor. <laughs> ding, ding. Whatever. Pin drop or sprint or whatever. Yeah. You know, people are feeling pressure. From every single angle in this, and I loved it. I, I loved it. That was t- it was tough to read because the, the pressure was real, but it was cool. It was also it, it's funny. You referenced the uh, the cost of the phone call that was in the very beginning. The conversation between um, Hollis Mason and Sally Jupiter. He's calling her from New York to to California, where she's staying. And yeah, he he references that phone call. He's like, "Well, things are kind of expensive, so I have to go." And a that's that's so crazy to think about from nowadays when you're not paying extra for and, any. And, and, <laughs> let's, and let's think about this too. There are floating cars or mm. something, or there's like cars that run on electricity. Yeah, and hover bikes and shit, and but they don't have cell phones with free. They don't have VoIP, right? Com- telecommunications. So anyway, let's just let's go there. Yeah. So I thought when he kind of does that. What I was taking from that scene is that he was a little bit, I mean, he likes to reminisce with uh, Night Owl 2 with Dan about the olden days a little bit, but I'm not sure how much he actually misses it, especially in this conversation with her. Like he wanted to kind of touch base with her and be like, hey, I I, I feel like the two people that have taken our, our masks and have like carried on our torch they might be getting back into mischief. But then when she just kind of goes off and starts talking about how she's living this kind of lifestyle where she's like, I don't know if I should focus on analysis or aerobics or what what I I might, you know, kind of do with my time now nowadays. He's just like, uh, I can't actually relate to you anymore. I feel like you and I are oper- operating in two different worlds. And I thought it was actually really important that they show the name of the uh, old old retirement village resort that they're staying at, which is Nepenthe Gardens. Um, I had to look up what Nepenthe was. I was curious about it. 
but it's a reference to the Odyssey and the Isle of um, forgetting your 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 grief and sorrows. It's also a drug, basically, that you could take in the Odyssey to um, forget any pain. So she's. It's also a very expensive bar in Big Sur, California. Is it where you can have some of the greatest views of your life for about eighteen dollars for a for a cheap beer? Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, yeah, but it just kind of sounds like she um, she's oblivious to the anxiety that everyone else is feeling out in society. Yeah, I mean, she's getting a manicure. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, I guess it's a pedicure. Yeah. yeah, she's getting a pedicure. She's just like chilling there. They they do the side-by-side. He's sitting there with his dog resting at his feet. She's there getting pampered and pedicured, living in a resort life. And she she's not feeling the anxiety of, like, the apocalypse being so clear, so near. And so he's like, I don't, I don't know how to relate to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, even if you look at the TV, he's watching the news and they're showing the USSR invading Afghanistan, I think it is. And she's watching the TV... I call it the TV. <laughs> She's watching TV, and it looks like it's a sitcom or a soap opera. Yeah. I mean, come on. What did you make of the Black Freighter storyline? I would like to point out, right as it jumps into talking about it, it goes, the the first line of dialogue is, it's like all of our old nightmares come back to haunt us, you know? And then it jumps back into the Black Freighter. I'm like, ugh, it is back. This yeah. is my nightmare in yeah. a way. That's, yeah, I, w- I was really craving those green sugar cubes whenever I saw that. <laughs> and thank God they came back. But, you know, I wish I could give you a deeper analysis on this, but I skimmed it. I was so I was so tired of having to do this double plot as we go along. It's that, so tedious at this point. It's tedious, and it also distracts me, I think. I mean, there's there's stuff to be gained from it, but I'm like, you know, I just wanted to see what was up in the streets of New York City. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't give a whole lot of, of deeper consideration to what's going on. It's it's a man kind of reckoning. Obviously, what's going on with the, the character from the Black Freighter is he's he's – Diving into like full on lunacy and into madness. He's becoming the deranged person that very likely he was seeking to destroy. He's becoming um, the enemy. He's becoming as savage as the pirates that he is afraid are going to destroy his family. And it all seems to be like going in a direction where he's going to become his own villain. That's what I'm kind of taking from this. Of course. And, I, and I'm kind of pissed off because I'm actually kind of, you know, one third of the way through a zombie novel for the last 15 years that kind of does exactly what this does. <laughs> so The Walking Dead? <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, that too. Damn it. Yeah, I have, I have copyright infringement all over the place. But uh, <laughs> Oh, when yeah. you're writing. I gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do want to, I want to ask you this. From the issue before, I guess last week, chapter seven. Right. They talk about in the news a a writer who disappeared named Max Shea. Okay. Uh huh. They said Shea. Meanwhile, at home, police stopped searching for missing writer Max Shea, having failed to open any new lines of investigation. Shea, who wrote children's pirate comics before graduating to modern classics, blah blah blah, vanished from his Boston home two years ago and hasn't been seen. Is that the writer of the Black Freighter? And obviously, Shea is the guy who they have this weird six-panel thing about with the weird vaginal opening that you talked about. Right. Is that the dude? 
Have yes. I been paying attention for once in my life? Am I a close reader? Tell me. That is the exact person that the the journalists, when they're put, throwing together the, the newspaper, they're showing him in that picture. Uh, they're like, this is an old picture we have of this guy, that the, the writer that disappeared. And then, yeah, that's him. He's on an island, and he's talking about some story that he helped create for um, a film, presumably, that's being made on this island. And they they constructed a creature based on, on his story, is what he's saying. So Alan Moore, I guess Larry David got all of his plot writing devices from Alan Moore. <laughs> a bunch of, you know, things that don't seem connected. And then in the last two or three minutes, they crash into each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is awesome. He, he's been dropping since the beginning, like layer after layer. All of this has been seeded in. And then it gets pulled into the forefront. Like we were getting little glimpses of... The uh, head journalist here in, like, issue three or so, right? Like, he just kind of popped in in the background on TV, and he's like, oh, this this firebrand journalist right. that's a uh, fucking loose cannon, Alex Jones wa- weirdo. Right. Um, well, he, Alex Jones a weirdo? What? <laughs> he's right. a he's an Austin treasure. Yeah. <laughs> he's a freedom fighter. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I certainly know more than you do about what this whole th- scene is here. And in hindsight, I could elaborate more on what's going on here. But I'm, I'm thinking most of our readers have read and they're also aware of this. So it's not something I need to like really go into now. We're going we're gonna to unavoidably Ignorance dive into is this. bliss. Just yeah. let, me, let me hang on to this for a little longer. But what do you think of that, uh, with, of that creature, that, that, that beast thing with a sarlacc pit anus mouth or whatever is going on there? I got scared. You know, I was I was reading alone and I just wanted to be with a teddy bear after I saw that image. I got scared. So I, di- I didn't dwell on it too much. And, you know, are we to think that he is – I mean, that he talks about being part of a movie, right? Yeah. So he's part of a movie. No one's seen him in a couple years. Is this a – I guess I just – is this like a North Korea movie where he just I, – I don't know what's going on. It looks very Lovecraftian, the thing that yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. drawing – um, he's obviously creating some kooky plot for some kooky movie thing. And he talks about after they're done, they can get off that mosquito ridden island back to wherever. But you remember the reference to the island, right? Earlier, the comedian busts into, uh, Moloch's oh, house. Oh, right, 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 right. When right, he's right, like right. freaking out and Moloch's like laying there on his bed. Like, why is the comedian here? And he's like... I went. Th- I went. I didn't know what it was. I went to visit this island, and they have all sorts of people there. They have writers. They have artists there, and they're plotting something. And it's it scared the hell out of me. I used to think everything in the world is a joke, but even this was too much for me. It's, there's nothing funny here. It's and like, this well, is what he's referring this to. This is like season three of Lost. Yeah, and this is a little bit more of of the mystery of whatever the horrors were, and I. I think horror is a great word to use, especially when we're seeing a Lovecraftian monster. Here. Yeah, it's it's and especially it's private parts. It yeah. is horrific. No, really cool. Again, just like another glimpse of something that's going to be a bigger plot point and plot device as we go. I thought I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a lot of fun. When they jumped around, like each each of these pages is being bookended by the the last minute quick um, struggle and um, planning by Night Owl and Silk Spectre to go do their jailbreak. But they they jump between a couple different scenes. We have the journalists at the newspaper. We have these artists on the island. And then we have a guy carving a pumpkin. 
and it's in front of um, a TV screen where they're talking about um, they're talking about the costume adventure. But we know who that we know who that guy is. Who's the guy carving the pumpkin? It's the old it's the old owl guy. Oh, is it? Yeah, look, there's his dog, and and you see the same. He's wearing the same clothing, and then at the end, uh, the, uh, the, at the end, the pumpkin's knocked over. That's exactly what I wanted to ask. I was like, "Who's a?" Uh, that makes perfect sense. I was question like, "Question asked, yeah, question answered." All right, okay, good. Um, because I noticed one other thing, a little small detail I wanted to point out to you. Um, in the very beginning, we see right when the Black Freighter story starts coming up, we see that uh, the newspaper guy starts um, trying to uh, push a newspaper on this one guy. And he's like, see, there's this guy on here, um, Walter Kovacs. He used to always come by my newsstand. The guy's like, huh, uh, Kovacs? Uh, yeah, incredible, thanks, whatever. Grabs a newspaper and leaves, and he's like, oh, that guy's so preoccupied. That was his That's uh, his therapist. And he's wearing a weird helmet. Yeah, he's wearing a weird helmet. There's something that seemed a little bit off about him, and then later we see that he uh, quits as his therapist. So I guess he he pieced out, but we see you know all these worlds. He, he has wants... to satisfy his wife. <laughs> he's got to. She needs. She demands satisfaction. Yeah, exactly. He he's dropping the ball there. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So after that, so we have him. He's doing his uh, his Halloween. Are, are, how are you? I th- I think you would be pretty good at that. I always like I do the greatest drawings on a pumpkin, and I'm ready to carve. And then I just either don't have the tools, I don't have the patience, or I just don't have the. I'm not a I'm not a surgeon, you know. And then it just ends up being just this three-hole nightmare. No, I'm, I'm far too impatient, too. I think it takes a level of, of patience or um, steady, like, artistry. And do you let the girls use tools for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I let them cut. No, they can use knives. Yeah, they're, wow. they're three years old now. I uh, think they can handle using a couple of really sharp-bladed weapons. Under su- under supervision. Yeah, you just let a machine gun it. <laughs> no, no supervision. Just, yeah. just You guys have that. I break a pool cue, and I say, whichever you, of you is left standing gets to carve the pumpkin. Right, so, right, right. Well, yeah. let, let God sort it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. Uh, okay. Um, did we talk about the brutality of Rorschach's prison scene? I want to get into the prison scene. I think that's probably the most exciting part, and for some reason we haven't talked about it, and I want to talk about Dan and Lori's, you know, rom-com. I think it's I think it's time to talk about the prison. Yeah, okay. Let's go ahead and jump into this. And let's remember really quickly that I guess two issues before, he threw hot oil on someone's face. So that was, we know what we're getting into. Yeah, there's brutality in this comic, and it reminds me of, like, other comics... From around this era, like some Garth Ennis doing uh, Preacher or um, uh, just just some like really like brutal violence in comics that, that I'm like, oh, OK, uh, this isn't mainstream co- comic fodder. I think of this era. It seems a lot more of a hallmark uh, later of like 90s um, dark Marvel or Marvel Black or what was oh, it called yeah. that they used to do? Yeah. Marvel Knights? Yeah, before yeah, – before It was they, Marvel Knights. Before they realized they could just do image or something like that and just do their own thing. So do you remember – is this true? This is something I've thought for like 20 years. I've never looked into it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the comic, was so violent. Mm-hmm. The Comics Code Authority or whoever said – you can either remove the violence or you can make it black and white. You got to like, you know, like Mortal Kombat. It's no longer blood, it's sweat, something like that, right? Right. And they loved the violent illustrations so much that they took the color out. And that's why that comic is now black and white. Is that true? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Have you ever I, read that comic? I know that it's super brutal. It's super brutal. Yeah. Yeah, the, the cartoon, like, 
and the video games belie the brutality of this comic. I love that. <laughs> the fact wow. that it's like, oh, kids, you love this? Go out and read our comic. It's like a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah. You like the cartoon? Here's fentanyl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> oh, this is But no, up. you're right. This was super violent. I mean, I'm looking at page 15 if anybody's reading along the middle left Literally a fountain of blood just hits his side. He doesn't even move. I mean, it's, <laughs> He's it's, just it's, making this face of like, it's comical. oh boy. <laughs> it's a fire hose of blood going at him. Yeah. It's wild. It's the yeah. world's biggest ketchup jar. So, yeah, just um, how, how this is kind of built up. You see him slowly taking off his, his shirt. I just keep thinking of like, he must have like already sized up the length of, of these people's arms and who like how far he needed to stand away that this guy, if he goes and makes a reach for him, he's just going to narrowly miss. So he goes and like stands with his back to this person like, oh, maybe you can grab me unawares. And then I'm going to take off my shirt and just get ready with uh, tearing it up. Flip around, grab, snag. And like, you know, you see how attentive to detail Rorschach is in the very beginning when he's investigating like the comedian getting killed and he's doing the the measurements from the outside and inside of the closet to realize that's where he's hiding his his costume right so he's like he has he has a keen eye for these types of details the he's like Sherlock Holmes in a way like he's like oh if i wait 3 seconds then counter balance on this foot and then do the punch I'll take him down or whatever. I'm like, that's like action Sherlock, though. Yeah, action, like, you know. That's like Robert Downey Sherlock. Yeah. Or, I mean, that's not even like the Cumberbatch Sherlock. But He was but, a fighter, uh, really. Um, Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, there's really? this whole, like, uh, that, well, what's that type of okay, fighting called with the cane? The the uh, Bar- Bartista, I think it's called, is a, a, the style of, of uh, yeah, Sherlock Holmes fighting. Okay. <laughs> Oh, uh, I, I had no idea. I'm sorry. The yeah. gentleman's well-calculated uh, fighting that you can use your tools around you. Like work smarter, not harder? Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like, oh, man, he he brutally calculates this. He knew that if he uh, prodded on this guy, that this guy would have the power to, if there is a riot that breaks out, to lock in, have first dibs with his guys before everyone else. Because if he had to face down the entire mob, he'd probably die. Right? For sure. But everything like that Alan Moore has written out for this makes a lot a degree of logical sense in why Rorschach was able to survive for the length of time that he did in prison. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean it doesn't surprise any of us that he was still gonna be alive when they came to rescue him, right? And there's a degree of justice or bloodlust or whatever you want to call it that Rorschach has that in the end when he goes and stalks into the bathroom it's a bit of a comedic moment but it's also a dark comedy in the fact that you know he stalked the um the little guy into the bathroom and murders him <laughs> and um Night Owl and Silk Spectre are like well, sometimes you got to take a shit. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was there too and this guy got away. Yeah. Yeah. It was really embarrassing. I had to take a shit. And I figured out, a, and it's like gross because I was like, I figured out a solution to my suit. It's like too much. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I don't even know how you're shitting in your space suit. You know, and you talk to a woman like that after sleeping with her, she's going to leave you for another man. <laughs> she's going to go back to her old boyfriend Fine. <laughs> who, tre- who treated her like shit. <laughs> She'd rather have somebody who's not there enough than there too much. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, speaking of brutality, just a quick... I mean, today's September 1st, 
mm-hmm. or maybe yesterday was. I don't know. Uh, today, sep- uh, as of recording this, yes, September first. So, yeah, sorry, I just gave gave that away. Uh, <laughs> but we didn't say what year. <laughs> so we're in the clear. Jeez. It doesn't matter. We recorded. We have some anonymity. Uh, brass knuckles are now legal in the city of Austin. You can carry brass knuckles. Really? That's one of the laws that came into effect. Do you know Cigarette, what else? Cigarettes now 21. No lewd photos if somebody didn't ask for them. So you can still send pictures to your wife if she asks first. Sweet. And I think now you can get beer delivery. I just read, and this is a bit more tangent, folks, but I just read that there's um, actual zoning areas where it is illegal for public consumption of alcohol. And otherwise, you can walk around with a beer in most areas of Austin, and it's does it, not, does, does it have to be like aluminum versus glass or something? I think they prefer can, yeah. The, co- the cop will pull over and say, hey, next time, we'd prefer if you drank that out of a can instead of a bottle, sir. Have a good day. But there's like these zoned areas where it's like definitely no public uh, consumption of alcohol. But otherwise, if you're like walking around your neighborhood, you're walking around other areas, like where you live and where I live. We can walk up and down the street with beer. And don't you do, don't you do that? In, don't you do that anyway? Yeah, generally. Yeah. But I I always had this kind of underlying idea that like if a cop came over, I'm sure. throwing that can in the yard. <laughs> right. But, but uh, I guess it's it's fine. I, I would as lo- long as you're not drunk. I, I would love to see you walking with your girls, and then a cop pulls up and you just throw your can in the yard. <laughs> White trash Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might actually go get like for for Halloween, get a you know borrow a uh, bar, borrow a cruiser. <laughs> and get a uniform and just drop, pull up on you just to see if that happens. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to the comic, though, I thought – I mean, I love the brutality. I love how I wasn't worried about him for a second. I was just curious to see how he was going to do it. And, I mean, you got to admit, the – breaking a toilet with your foot is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's – I mean, he, he had a boot on or something, but I don't know That's what, a precision kick there. How We have to remember, though, that they made fun of him earlier for wearing heeled shoes. So maybe that those heels were – Steel heel? Wait, did they? Remember they said he's short. Remember the, the the cops when they arrest him, they're like, "Oh, this guy wears he's short. He wears heels." Blah blah. Oh man. Yeah, he got those shoes that you see like in airplane magazines. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Those mm-hmm. those cool kids from up, high school that had the steel toed boots. Oh, and they're yeah. like, man, if ever I get in a fight, bro, I got steel toed shoes. And I was like, did people say that to you? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They were that's I didn't you probably didn't pick up on it. They were threatening you. They, oh no. They were I, I feel like you. no one ever finds me a threat that they have to threaten. Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you it just doesn't happen. They look at me by, and they're like, no, you're with me. Don't you worry. I'll your soccer, you. your soccer uh, shin guards to school the next day. They're like this kid with all the pogs in high school. He's the threat. <laughs> you were the threat though, because if you had so many pogs, that meant that you were winning. Although, wait, did you have pogs or did you have slammers? I, I had pogs and slammers. Because, okay, so if you won, you won the pogs from that round. Is that right? Yeah. If how you, how did you, you ever get down? somebody? How did you ever get somebody else's slammer? I don't remember what. Would, would there have to be like a side bet? You know, like you're like, oh, you think you're better than me? Like, like take my slammer if you win. Yeah, it might be that. Like, okay. it's been a long time. I feel like whoever won the game overall got the, got the slammer as well. Whoa! Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. Okay. I had a dope slammer. It was um, gold. And uh, it was jagged around the edges and it had a ho- holographic dragon in the middle. It was pretty Damn. amazing. Yeah. Damn. I got laid. In, in sixth grade. 
Yeah, everyone. When, just... when, when were you doing this? Because now I'm kind of curious. <laughs> um, yeah, man, that would be uh, sixth grade. I'd say uh, that's yeah, pretty accurate. So. Yeah, sixth. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, no, definitely not later it wasn't, than that. It wasn't double that. Twelve, <laughs> not at all. It's not last year. Is... That'd be sad, right? <laughs> I, I just want to, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't think people care. Did you ever have a fidget spinner? And if so, how many? Please don't tell me you did. But I think you did. I think. I think you did. Dude, I had a couple of them. You had and did you actually think were you were you a fidget spinner defender or would you say like when people would say like oh you got a fidget spinner would you say cuz there's two types of people who have fidget spinners. Yeah. Okay. There's people who say, "No, come on, this really does help me with my anxiety. It helps me like slow down and relax a little bit." And then there's other people who say, "Yeah, I know. I just, you know, I know it's like a it's a viral thing, whatever." What, yeah. what what were you? Which one's a better one to be? <laughs> Vi- viral, you the, right? You were the first one. <laughs> you loved it. I, I definitely bought the um, the fidget cube where you can kind of spin it around and try all the different sides. Okay, this is coming. I remember coming home and visiting, and you were the only person I knew who had a fidget cube. Oh man, so I was, that I was that a cool kid actually... that everyone wanted to come and play with. Yeah, their fidget cube. Yeah, you were the cool thirty-three year old. That's a cool, dude. <sighs> yeah. So where are those now? Like, which junk drawer are those in now? I, they're they're about. Okay. Every time my anxiety flares up, I have to use it. Yeah, I just start spinning. Right now, I need it because I'm being it, called yeah, okay, up. Okay, I'm sorry. On air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we, uh, we're talking about um, That's right. That's right. So let's get back to it. So, yeah. Um, the return of John. He's obviously there. He's, he's He says kind of in his creepy ghost, blue ghost way, like, we're going to talk in an hour. You're going to try and fail to convince me to save the planet or whatever. And that's, like, very ominous. Like, oh, that's fucked up. Yeah. Um, I, I know we've kind of debated a little bit back and forth about the idea of whether or not he is fully omniscient, like, to the degree, like, he can see into the future. Can I, can I actually back up? I know you were trying to get back on track. And I am going to stay on the comic, I swear to God. But I just want to say stylistically, if anyone is rereading, I know you're you're looking at me with you're a lot of skepticism here. You're about to talk here. about Pogs. I'm not talking about Pogs. <laughs> God. I mean, yeah. No, actually, I'm going to talk about Lego Duplos. No. If you look at page 1415 during the prison break, it's all pretty blue. It's light blue, which I think of as pretty neutral. You know, not that aggressive. Um, there's a lot of a lot of the you know the the prisoners and prison guards are wearing light blue. You then go to the next page. And it starts getting kind of black, and there's some green and yellow, so it's changing. The light is is much harsher. Yeah, things are a little and bit more aggressive. And then if you change to page 18, change, turn to page 18, 19, overwhelmingly dark red. Blood, 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 blood. It's basically like a horror movie. It's, Absolutely. It's... And then the next one, it starts to recede a little bit because now they're leaving. They've They've already escaped. And it's kind of these actually kind of pretty like yellow oranges, you know, and you can kind of see it getting back to normal. Yeah. I just thought when I was reading that, I thought, whoa. I mean, I, I love that. Props to John Higgins, the colorist. You know, he doesn't get enough love. Well, he, yeah. And uh, actually, Dave Gibbons gets even less love. because <laughs> D- Dave Gibbons gets all the love. It's him and Alan Moore. But like. The, oh, oh the... so there's a different guy. OK, I was making. I, no, I thought John, you got it wrong. John Higgins does the coloring. Oh, John Higgins and Dave Gibbons. Yeah, that's a tongue twister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow, I, I wasn't. Right. <laughs> Damn, you're good. I wasn't trying to be a rascal there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, it, it seems like... Uh, Manhattan, gonna... is he omniscient? Yeah, what do you think? Do you think he's just kind of like... Well, 
So, Laurie makes this thing like, I know if things don't go my way, he'll make it go my, my way. And he's he's so much of the mind of like, I can make anything happen. So, so that's like it's, omnipotent. Yeah, it's not omniscient. He's it's a self fulfilling prophecy in a way. Like if he decides that in an hour from now that's going to happen, he'll just make it so that that's what's going to happen. And so in his mind, he thinks that's what's going to happen, and he just brings all the pieces. Oh, he together. like wills it. Yeah, he speaks it. Into he wills existence. the future into existence of how he wants it to be. I don't think he is. I think he's super powerful. I, obviously, I don't have the benefit of reading ahead. I think he's really powerful. I think he can do a ton of stuff. I think he's limited by his own lack of imagination sometimes. I think he's limited by his own lack of agency and making decisions for himself. But I just think he's a really powerful guy, and he's now kind of has this weird slipstream time thing where, yeah, he can see ahead, but can he see everything? What limits him? What can he do about it? I don't know. I think it's depression. I think he's got some serious depression going on. Yeah. And... You know, a little bit of a uh, Wellbutrin might go a little ways for him. I don't know that. It, yeah, is that is that an antidepressant? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, you're probably right. And actually, you know, there was one time somebody came up to me and they said, "If you found out the world was going to end in 15 minutes, what would you do?" And I said, "Ah, eh, you know, I mean, I would probably just have a coffee and call my family and you know say I love them, and I would probably just maybe read a little bit and just kind of sit there and go outside and smell the air, look at the sky and look at some clouds and just kind of appreciate things, and that's it. Jerk off a couple times, and like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, if we got 15 minutes, we can do it way more than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's quite a recharge, my friend. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I, th- this question was asked to me when I was like 23. Oh, so I mean, uh, very know, virile, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I was a very virile uh, substitute teacher, so <laughs> that's... <laughs> <laughs> that sounded worse than, well, no, it uh, actually sounded exactly as bad as I thought it would. Uh, that guy then told me after I gave him that answer, which I thought was, you know, well thought out. He said, yeah, I would go outside and just run around naked. And I remember thinking, you're probably not living your life the right way if that's what you want to do. You know, if you need to let something out like that, you should just let it out anyway. Just go find a commune. And go run around I, naked, man. I'm tying this back. Again, I know you treat everything I say now with skepticism. Do you remember... John saying, I'm no longer going to wear the uniform. I got to get naked. Uh-huh. There we go. I brought it back. Yeah. It's 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 just like that. He's The end of the world is here, and he's had an emotional breakdown, and now he's just stripping off all his clothes. He's like, uh, uh, who's the guy that was um, uh, Comey? Comey uh, was it Coney? Remember Coney? The, like, top Coney 2012 Yeah, I, th- guy? I, I think I was in the, the guy had, like, a after... mental breakdown, and he, like, goes naked in the street and started paving, like, pounding into the pavement. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, this guy started this whole, like, big movement to yeah, try and stop Coney. Yeah, And then I guess things got too big, and, like, he freaked out. He's, he was selling too many uh, Lance Armstrong bracelets. He painted his body blue, and he just pieced off to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't know if he's omniscient. I don't know if he's omnipotent. It's funny that, you know, at the beginning of this, uh, I think when we first – the first issue we did together, or maybe it was – I don't know. Maybe it was one after that. It was the it was his backstory. Whenever he kind of, you know, went, gained all of his powers, it was really interesting. And I remember thinking, oh, shit, this is cool. Finally something interesting. Now, after we're seeing all these other people, I, I, I view him as an intrusion. I don't really want to deal with him. I don't like him. I think he's boring. And now she's run off to him. Fine. Good right. riddance. I want to get back to, what's his name? Dan? Dan's a real one. Dan's a real one. Yeah. I don't give a shit about the two of them. But at the same time, Lori was dating a dude that is able to 
have multiple versions of himself send a, uh, one of his own self liaisons instantaneously into her room and then v- like vaporize her and bring her to Mars. Would you like that if somebody outsourced their love? If no. You're, if your wife, I'm not saying if your wife sent. Well, actually, that would, a telegram would be nice. Yeah. Don't don't outsource your love, man. Send yourself. I'm I'm not saying like there's any like trying uh, attempt to rekindle that relationship. Okay. I think that like there's a little bit of Stockholm syndrome in a way. There's a little bit of like emotional manipulation and there's a dramatic power differential between them that in a way it's an abusive relationship. He's using his ability to force her into situations that she wouldn't necessarily agree to, I think, in other circumstances. Like go to Mars? Yeah, but like now it's like, you're going with me to Mars. I've seen it in the future. And she's like, what the fuck else can I say at this point? Fine, let's go. I mean, she's been mostly kind of like complaining about their relationship. I don't necessarily think like she's so like emotionally dependent upon him that she's just wishing for that relationship to come back. Yeah, she says, I better do as he says. I know him. He doesn't change his mind. Right. And that sounds like she's like survivor of a bad relationship there, right? My goodness. Yeah. That's... Well, now I changed my mind on her after rereading that. Jesus, it's sad. Yeah, it is sad. Um, and then I love how Rorschach right there goes, Daniel, doorbell ringing. People outside, Daniel. Police. <laughs> It's like the most he talks. Hammering now. Best hurry. His voice isn't all weird. He's not in Rorschach mode. Like, uh, as far as, like, the character that once he, uh, and the affectation once he puts on his mask. The drunk, the drunk typeface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's not being weird. He seems like, he seems like the the better of of both worlds in a way. He's got the cunning and the conviction of Rorschach, but. Which is what they need. Also seems to have a little bit of the, the. Eloquence and uh, a bit more of the social graces that Walter Kovacs may have operated to a degree with. Social graces or in him, yeah. I yeah. say, like, you know, like when he's writing his, You're right. his diary or whatever, he's not just eating hobo beans anymore. But that's a man who writes a diary. He's looking ripped out in his in his in his uh, tank top. There, yeah, I was going to say, what do you want to call that? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we're allowed to say <laughs> it's covered in blood. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we're allowed to say wife beater anymore. No, that's why I, I went for tank. But what do you? What, what do we say it now? Say I can't talk. What? How do we say? It? How do we describe that article of clothing? Tank top. It's no, a tank. no. I think you call it like an A, like an H, A, a frame or H. Isn't it something a, like that? It's an A frame. Yeah. Oh, for real? It yeah. is. Okay. But and that we, also sounds weird. If I heard A frame, I would be like, ah, you're talking about like. Woodworking and we're not allowed to say wife beater because it kind of makes fun and makes light of something that's like a serious issue. I'm trying to I, – I, I didn't know this was a thing until like last year. Yeah, I mean I, I would say there's a, an obvious degree of, of uh, a lack of sensitivity. Yeah, like I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't walk around and be like, oh, you just got scalped. <laughs> right. That's right? a great example. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. I, I feel like there's a certain um, words in our, our lexicon that we have to go, oh, wait, what did that let's re- mean? Let's revisit that. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a, yeah. That might be a little and bit And football offensive. season is starting up, and now we still have the Washington Redskins. So, you know. Yeah. Well, Jay Zucristo. It's uh, baby steps. So what uh, – I mean, are, did you want to go on Dr. Manhattan, or can I go on to something else? You can go on to something else. Okay. So what – do you think now that the the game is afoot, I guess we can say, and the detectives, you know, they they find out where Dan's living, they go into the basement, and it's gone. Can we talk about that one scene right there? Yeah. It's a little thing. Yeah. But look in the hallway, and what do you see from the gun of the dude standing there? 
It's flaring up. He took a fucking shot. Like, they're going in here, like, investigating, maybe seeing if there's someone they might need to arrest. But he sees a ship going out of there. He's shooting. He doesn't even know what the fuck he's shooting at. <laughs> what are you doing with your gun taking a shot? Yeah. I mean, oh, that's surprised. like the most realistic depiction I was gonna I've say. seen there. I was going to say. Yeah. Of course you're going to be he so could, irresponsible. He, he couldn't predict that we wouldn't have to pay long distance rates, but he could predict that police would still not know how to de-escalate things. <laughs> yeah, police brutality. They're going to shoot first, then ask questions, apparently. Absolutely. Just reckless. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so do, do you think they're going to serve any more? Well, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, I was going to ask you, do you think that they're going to serve any more function? Um, the investigators? Yeah. I mean, what, what else can they do? I mean, I kind of think that now it's going to be about the superheroes. Um, if, if there's a little bit more of a, a ground story still to tell in some sort of relationship between them and maybe the, the press the, that we've been kind of popping in and out of. Or um, the the newspaper salesman. If there's something going on there, we might see them kind of revisit kind of be, in like a, be kind of like a yeah, like a not a megaphone, but kind of like a, a a lens that we see things through rather than an actual like plot. But once once they took off in the owl ship, um, we're into we're kind of moving into the end game, right? Like things are are moving beyond the the everyman. Thank God, and it's and it's fun. Yeah, it's super sweet, and I think that for me. I don't like Dr. Manhattan because it's too superhero-y. But whenever we have these other these other guys who I don't even know if they still have powers, I'm like, okay, I want to see them get involved. This is a lot of fun. Rorschach's very good at killing people. <laughs> I mean, there's something to that. Yeah, it's, yeah, to find power. I, I also want to, you know, just uh, hats off. I mean, moment of silence. Well, not really a moment of silence though, because I know that dead air is a bad thing on a podcast. Yeah, we, we don't want – So a, you know, moment of silence of sorts – uh, about the third dog that died. Did they kill the dog too? Uh, you know, you're right. Maybe they didn't. I really hope they didn't. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, they might have though. We like... already had, I mean, Rorschach killed the two dogs. Remember whenever he kind of became Rorschach? Uh, I'm going to be so mad and if... if they killed the third dog. And you But know... presumably, you know, the dog was there. He would probably try to go in and defend Hollis and we don't see him. Man. And even if the dog's still alive, it's sitting there next to its dead, de- dead buddy. You know, its dead owner. Making me sad here. No, I know. And do you, do you remember those commercials where the dog says good? The guy says goodbye to the dog. He goes to work. The dog's waiting for him to come home, and then he never comes home because he was driving drunk and died. Oh shit! Talk about ending this one on a sad note. That, <laughs> that's that's a commercial that seriously moved me. I mean, can you imagine? It's like uh, remember the kid who uh, is a snowman and he comes home and eats some Campbell soup and melts and melts his heart and he's, it's just a little kid again. Really quickly, in these sweltering hundred degree days, can we do a little Christmas of July here for a second and think about one of the greatest, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. And actually, I think this guy played Batman as well. What's his name? You know, please don't make me guess this one. Val Kilmer? No, not Val Kilmer. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is a snowman, and comes back. (laughs) He dies. He dies, and then he comes back. Jack Frost. Yes. (laughs) Have you seen it? How many times have you seen it? Uh, I have never seen it. What? Oh man, I'm gonna bring you the DVD. I have it. I have it in fit DVD. (laughs) Do you have a DVD player? No. The, no, we'll have to watch this some other way. Do you have a Jack Frost player? 
<laughs> That's a whole different thing. I don't want to talk about it. If anybody's still listening, I definitely want you to please slide into Grant's DMs and let him know what you think about Jack Frost. And if you haven't watched it, please give it a stream. I mean, do it illegally we're, or not. We're here to promote Watchmen. And Jack Frost. And Jack actually. Frost. This is actually a Jack Frost cast. Well, as you know, sometimes, as you know, sometimes once you appreciate something and once you think about something, you need to sit, let it germinate, let it hibernate. So you don't go through this without taking a pee break. Yeah. <laughs> you know, read a, read a couple issues, take a is break, it a watch pee some break, Jack Frost. Or are we murdering Big Little Man in in the bathroom? I don't know what you're doing at your house, but. I usually just kind of shower and I feel pee like and, I, I really shave. should know that guy's name if I want to make the joke. Big little man. Well, no, you're just like me. I think I'm rubbing off on you that uh, you can't remember names. Phrasing. That's inappropriate. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, obviously, we have one more hero that's down. This is a sad one because this guy was really just living his life. And I think for me, it just kind of speaks more to uh, society's angst. Oh, hey, can, actually, can we revisit this? Yeah. Not, re- not. Well, I guess it'll be re- visiting something for the first time for me. What are these drugs they're wanting? They're calling them like Katie's or something. Katie's. Katie's are that? drugs that the the top knot gang is the gang that seems to be operating around here, um, and they take Katie's, which are their forms of. I don't it's like know. an upper. Yeah, it seems that it's something that's just kind of. It's bath salts or some shit. I don't know. It's it's fucking them up, giving them a weird brief high and making them um, irrational and murderous. It's a little whippet. Yeah. My God. So, okay, so they're high on Katie's, and they go kill, what's his name, Hollis? Mm-hmm. Hollis Mason. Hollis Mason. Great name. Uh, killed with his own statue, which will tell you. The of. looming shadow of his own statue over his face as he sees that is his death. His death becomes him. In the form of his past. His old ghost. I mean, tough to see. Tough to see uh, an old man's house slipper splattered with his own blood and he's lying there. And little children are asking, hey, are you okay? There is such maturity, such poetry, poetry, such consideration to the artistry, to the writing of this comic book. Like the framing, the design... The coloring all the way through and through, and I went I went ahead and read a little bit of these after Watchmen comics, and some of them like the art is great, or the writing is like kind of interesting, but the marriage of like the 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 higher level like there's there's writing there's books and then there's literature right there's like high high end. There's beer. There's craft beer. Right. This is high you, end you mean, artistic. You mean Blue Moon? There's Blue Moon. Yeah. Then there's Shock Top, my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, I, I'm so impressed by what what they've achieved in this. And when I see like certain framing like that, when I see the, every time I look at the covers for all of these issues, and then I look at the covers for these um you know, uh, after Watchmen comics that have been coming out. I'm like, there's, there's no subtlety. There's no metaphor. There's no deeper meaning going on. You guys are just kind of doing the, the sexy pose of, of any of these, these superheroes with their rippling muscles and their butts out or whatever. it's, so you're, it's not you're really same. getting our audience excited for uh, the podcast we do on these other ones. <laughs> it's Great just job. not the same. And, yeah, support us on Patreon while we talk about this. 
Yeah, that's that, what I'm trying to say is, um, hey, patreon.com slash whopods a watchman. If you guys want to support this podcast and uh, – I meant more like the ones the, – the, the awful issues you're talking about in the future. Right. I know. Yeah. If you guys want adjust your adjust your uh, donations for those. Yeah, if you guys want those, please uh, please let us know. Uh, you know, toss us a buck or two on patreon.com slash whopods a watchman. Uh, we think are we about wrapping up on this? I, I, I think so, and I, but I really quickly I do think you're right that we've been reading this. You know, and we're, we will read it cover to cover, and you kind of get used to all of the interplay with the writing, with the ink, with the framing. You know, not not whenever I say writing, I don't even. I guess I mean the overall like uh, development of the story and how it gets on the page, right? Yeah. And it's awesome, and you kind of get used to it. And then I think, yeah, if we do move on to something else, um, you're, it's going to be all the more impressive. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. This it seems like the issues are speeding up now. Some of them were kind of slow reads, and didn't necessarily mean they were bad, but it's kind of like eh, it's kind of slow. And I think the last issue was kind of like what you said, a bottle issue or whatever, a bottle episode where it was kind of all in their apartment. And it was just kind of two people talking about, you know, making things work. And maybe is there any chemistry there? Maybe are we going to reawaken something? In this, we have people uh, getting their throats slashed, driving a flying vehicle, a machine gun down an abandoned subway. Uh, we have the return of the green sugar cubes. We have people maybe killing a dog. And we have somebody making an expensive uh, coast-to-coast, cross-country Long distance call. <laughs> we also so, had, um, you know, talks of pogs in high school and, uh, you know. Oh, our conversation. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, always crazy thrilling. adventures. That's there. always thrilling. Yeah. So I think, you know, we're wrapping this one up. Uh, definitely look forward to speaking with you about uh, the next one, I guess maybe next week. And again, you know, now we don't have our buddy uh, Bosch here. He's on his way to Denver. Um, hopefully we'll rely on these issues more for, uh, I guess, just the kind of happiness that we can no longer get from him. <laughs> this is a <laughs> what a way to end. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna end on this end quote instead. How's that? The very last panel of this issue goes: On Halloween, our, the old ghosts come about us, and they speak to some, to others they are dumb. This is from Halloween by Eleanor Farjian. I don't know if that's actually in any way more uplifting than what you said. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if it's about, if they're talking about Sabash, I know exactly what Eleanor is talking about. So, <laughs> rest in peace, Sabash, in R- Colorado, and where, ha- and we're still alive. <laughs> and all, we we only yeah yeah we don't recognize people if they're above a certain uh, elevation above sea level. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're dead to us if you're over six hundred feet. You old ghost. <laughs>